To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. podcast. Good afternoon, good whatever time of day it may be, folks. Welcome to another fun-filled, frightful, semi-informative, hopefully funny, because we think we make our we make ourselves laugh, so hopefully we make you laugh too. But hey, it's time for another episode of the Podcast Macabre. I'm Chris. I'm Joe. I'm Jenny. And we are a podcaster down again. Damn you, work, uh, Don. <laughs> and and we just heard from Don saying, yeah, I just, fucking hate working today. Nothing but people who couldn't wipe, wipe their own asses, even with puppets teaching them. <laughs> <laughs> so bright and cheery. So, uh, how you guys been doing this week? Uh, uh, yeah. Trying not to drown. <laughs> That's a good Charleston plan. Charleston is That's underwater. True. So, is it Sharknado type effects, or are we talking... <laughs> Uh, more alligator, like alligators swimming through neighborhoods and things like that. And uh, the uh, rumor and reports of coffins coming up out of the grave because it's so waterlogged here. I heard that. Ooh. Yeah, it's fucking insane. I think so we're going to end up. I know. <laughs> I, I think right. we're going to end the up being off work tomorrow. Oh, I thought you were going to say you thought you were going to be the epicenter of the zombie apocalypse. No, that one could only hope. That would be too so cool. This- this would be the moment that it would be great if we were a video show to put in a clip of, you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. You didn't move the bodies. <laughs> They're all popping up in the pool around her. Uh, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I did see your, your girlfriend Alicia said, too, to look out for piranha. Yes, I was dying <laughs> laughing at that. But then I realized, <laughs> I saw, too, that she realized she missed she could have said zombievers instead. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I just assumed she went old school with it. <laughs> Zombies. I'm about to watch that again now. That song is still <laughs> stuck in my head. Spoilers. Uh, well, folks, um, this week's episode, we are actually going to be talking about uh, John Carpenter. Um, sort of borrowing a page, I must admit, from uh, formerly known as the 2D cast, our friends over at the Comic City cast. Uh, podcast. They started a thing of uh, within the last year, kind of that you know. Usually, you have like recently we did a Wes Craven retrospective because his his sad untimely passing. That uh, they actually started doing some episodes of you know why not celebrate them while they're still alive. <laughs> so but we were trying to do that. I it know just hasn't worked out that way. I know we just too many things kept coming up. But uh, so yeah, this episode actually we're going to be talking about. The man, the legend, composer, writer, director, producer, and uh, actually pretty funny guy when you watch his interviews, John Carpenter. I met him 15 years ago. I I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him. 
and then another servant trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Do you read Sutter Kane? What? You gotta be fucking kidding. Sonny, you ever owned a car before? No. I just got my license. Start her up. Her name's Christine. I like that. That's the Duke. I know the sound of his engines. Don't cross the Duke. Everybody knows that. I watched you very carefully. Red light stop. Green light go. Yellow light go. Very fast. Forget whatever you've seen in the movies. They don't turn into bats. Crosses don't work. Garlic? When I try garlic, you stand there with garlic around your neck. One of these buggers will bend you fucking over and take a walk up your strata chocolata while he's sucking the blood out of your neck, all right? Just listen to the old pork chop express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks you crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. So, um, but first, let's go ahead and dive into... Uh, any news, trailer trash, all those fun things. I didn't get a chance to watch trailers this morning, and I found some I wanted to watch. I admit, I was prioritized uh, it's a Sunday morning. I was watching Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still two weeks off on that. Uh, I did post a trailer trash one the day. I actually saw it yesterday when I went to see The Marsh, and, and it's called The Forest. Mm-hmm. And it's about Japan's suicide forest. Oh. And it looks flipping creepy this girl's sister just disappears into the forest uh she's they're twins so she just senses like something's wrong and she goes in after her and there of course there's all these people like don't stay in here after dark and they find her sister's tent so she refuses to leave mm-hmm. and just her being in the tent at night and you hear things outside the tent it looks damn good it does look creepy. sounds good and I'm pretty fascinated by the suicide forest to begin with. So yeah. me too. That that is one of those weird haunted like isn't it listed like in the you know most creepy places of the world type one of those oh yeah, yeah. Those lists. it's like always in top five that and that freaky doll island or whatever it is oh doll island is so creepy <laughs> that episode of destination truth yes I, oh. I, one of the few episodes I had watched of that show. <laughs> That, that show is yeah. so good. I love that show. And I just love how spoilers, if you haven't seen the, you know, eight year old episode of Destination Truth, but <laughs> there's a part where Josh Josh Gates is standing next to like this post with a doll on it and he goes, Seriously, if one of these dolls moves, I'm gonna shit my pants and the fucking doll's <laughs> eye pops open right then he's just <laughs> like like you can see it on his face like uh, fuck it creepy and of course josh gates is hilarious so i recommend it if anyone hasn't seen it i actually haven't i'll have to look that up that sounds awesome yeah i've never seen that (laughs) i think it is one of those weird random things of you know when you're like scrolling through channels and like oh there's nothing else on because it used to be when i was watching ghost hunters a lot and that was on i'm like oh okay 
So and flipped back to the channel and I caught it just at that uh, right before that scene. <laughs> so I'm oh, like, oh, okay. Well, I watch the, the show more often. The episode they do about the suicide forest is really creepy too, and a lot of that is more just the the human creepiness of it all. But it's it's really interesting. You get a definite idea of what the vibe is in that creepy ass forest. Speaking of creepiness and just general horror Halloween vibe, because, hey, we are in the month of Halloween. Some people call it October. I'm calling it the month of Halloween. <laughs> um, I'm noticing we've got many, many of our friends who are like-minded individuals, you know, great minds and all that, who are also doing their own, uh, you know, daily horror viewing or whatever for uh, Halloween. So definitely, listeners, if you got if you got something you do every Halloween or every October, you know, share it up on our page. We're, we're just talking before we got on the air. Damn it, folks. Post something. Even if it's just a fuck you. <laughs> I posted. You know, something. We like hearing interaction. <laughs> but, um, as I'm catching up on Facebook stuff, I'm making sure I'm not missing any posts for anybody before our show. Um, well done, Mr. Graham Doyle, for introducing your wife to Event Horizon. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I almost watched that the other night. Uh, but I've been, yeah, knee-deep in John Carpenter films. Uh, oh, I remember too, um, I was thinking of like current news stories. Um, I didn't follow up on what I'd said before once about the chance of John Carpenter, or excuse me, not John Carpenter, apologies, George Romero getting rights back for uh, Night of the Living Dead, that that was in the works. I finally did read the article and read it, and it's actually part of the uh, documentary bonus that's supposed to be included with the DVD of Night of the Living Dead that's supposed to be in this month's horror block that I should be getting mine on Wednesday. For some reason, they had a delay in shipping again. But um, what the guy actually did, he is a shop owner who does a lot of Night of the Le- Night, or Living Dead-related merchandise. And what he did was going the route of getting the trademark. Because the copyright itself is so convoluted and damn near impossible to get copyright, but to register the trademark for Night of the Living Dead. No one had done that. Oh, wow. And so he got the rights. And so really, it's only several hundred dollars to do it. And is going to be giving the rights back to uh, George and the other creators of Night of the Living Dead. So they will see see something out of it finally. Or at least from the, you know, the original film. I'm sure they, after that faux pas, that they've been quite good about, uh, making sure they've got their copyright stamp as well as trademarks on, you know, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, uh, Survival of the Dead, uh, whatever else. <laughs> so, um, what else is out there in news? Is there anything else we need to hit for new hot topics? We need to talk about Scream Queens and how insanely fantastic that show is. Seriously, if anyone isn't watching it, just give it a shot. It's amazing. I know this is a bit spoilery, but it's still one of my favorite lines out of the show so far that made me laugh hard. Shondell, why you got a knife sticking out your neck? Like Every episode, there's been three so far, and I've had to watch all of them twice just to get all of the quotes because they come oh. so fast and furious and it's hilarious. So for anyone out there that hasn't seen it, it's not a serious horror show. It is definitely tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. It makes fun of every sort of cliche and tropes and horror movies. And it's done so well. 
Yes. I'm the bit I can admit the only thing that's got me a little hung up on the show, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it just confuses me when it happens. Because the whole premise you had the tragic event that happened in the Kappa Kappa Tau sorority house in nineteen ninety five. But then we're now in twenty fifteen, twenty years later. But the bulk of the music they use in the show is stuff from the eighties. See, I have no problem with that. I, I don't, well, I don't have a problem with the it, soundtrack. Well, that's what I mean. I don't have a problem with it, but it kind of throws me off. I mean, <laughs> especially you get with the first kiss of the two characters, and it's playing the music from the end of Sixteen Candles when they're kissing over the cake. <laughs> it's like it, this, but that again, folks, that's an example of the type of referencing they do in the show. It, and yes, it's fun. It's fun. I did read the day the person that plays the Red Devil is the same stunt guy that played the rubber suit man from season one of American Horror Story. Oh. So there is like a, a, a you know thin tie between the two franchises. Well, you got Emma Roberts was in Coven. Oh, that's true, too. I keep forgetting about that. Because she plays... You keep even though she's still bitchy. <laughs> I think that's true. That's very true. <laughs> but she does play a little bit differently here, even though she is still kind of a bitchy girl. But Yeah, she's gone from bitchy rich girl into Heather's level of the satire <laughs> bitchy rich girl. I'm just waiting for her to say fuck me gently with a chainsaw. <sighs> oh, give her and, time. She's come yeah. up with some doozies. Yes. <laughs> yes, she has. And, and, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is so fantastic in this as well. Oh, yeah. She, the she white keeps... noise machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The slasher mode. <laughs> well, and then the, yeah, the, the, the national president for the Kappa Kappa Tau with her, uh, her uh, psychic trauma that has left her her mind uh, referencing the 90s. <laughs> She's like, I don't mind. I love the 90s. I know. It's, it's just so funny. And this last one, they even dipped into the whole, like, making the pretty ugly girl, like, really hot thing, too, oh. which made yes. me crack up. Well, and the, the other capper for the recent episode, too, is with uh, uh, the uh, Dickie Dollars Club <laughs> frat boys when they... <laughs> They're like, let's all get roided up, and let's get some bats, and let's go find this killer. And then it shows them walk down the street, and it's playing Backstreet's Back. <laughs> and they're all in white, which yes. I thought was really charming. Uh, put away your broner, dude. <laughs> Where are your hands? On the frog. On the frog. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's already testing my theories on who the killer is. So. Yeah, I have no idea, and, and they said they won't show you until the very last episode. So every single episode, someone is going to die. And then at the end of it, there'll be a handful left over. You'll find out who the killer is. Yeah. And I read that season two, they already have uh, an idea in mind. Whoever survives will move to a different location and they'll start all over again. Um, And so people will carry over season to season. So they're, they're not completely self-contained. Nice. Uh, was I thinking about the show? Shit. Brain fart. Um, yeah, brain fart. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Take another sip oh. of coffee. I just finished my cup. <laughs> oh. Another oh. cool horror thing that happened is they put out the opening credits for the new season of American Horror Story. Uh, creepy, yes. creepy, fucking creepy. Love it. And I haven't watched them yet on purpose because I want to wait until it's on my giant TV before I see it for the first time. <laughs> I could say, oh, that's what I was going to say. Thinking of um, season-long serial killer uh, with usually someone getting bumped off every 
uh, episode. It makes me harken back to, and I don't know if it's still up on Netflix, it was for a while, but uh, Harper Island. Yeah, I started that watching one. that. I never got through it, though. Yeah, I, I, I did watch that whole season, and um, that's one people should watch. If you, it, I mean, if it fits well. It, it was a good, it, by no means, by no means was it a great show, but it was still good. But I mean, by the end of each episode, you had some very dramatic kill that happened, very serial killers, you know, horror movie style, slasher style deaths that came out of nowhere until, you know, it's almost like Agatha Christie, 10 little Indian style that you're slowly whittling away how many people are trapped on this island until you find out who the killer is. So if you can find it, watch it. I think it's only uh, a 13 episode run or 12 episode run. Something like that. Because our buddy Rick Cross was the one that got me on it. And I think Uh, I watched the first five. And then something happened where I started watching something else. And I just never went back to it. uh, um, Speaking of other TV horror, I did catch up on uh, Fear of the Walking Dead last night. And uh, got the season finale for that. So uh, tonight. So we're for the government. We're here to help you. It's the government. They'll help us. Fucking retards. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't use that word. Idiots, morons, buffoons. Dude. Uh. <laughs> Every time they're like, well, no, there's got to be an explanation for this. And, you know, leave it to Ruben Blaze to look at him and just go like, you people are so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't learned hardly anyone's name on that show, but I and I don't think they said his name in this last episode, but I, I, I've called him the smooth talker, the mm-hmm. guy in the cage that saves Nick. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about that guy other than He's a hustler. he was flipping he's awesome. He, he's, he's like one of my favorite people on that show now and I know nothing about him. Yeah, I like the portable bolt gun. That's a brilliant way to dispatch undead yeah yeah i did enjoy that quite a bit as well it harkens back to uh in no country for old men oh yep. yeah 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 with the little air compressed gun yeah <laughs> didn't even leave a use a bolt it's just the air gun uh oh what else is out there for tv right now uh let's see strain is still wrapping up i think i watched last week's episode I yeah, I think tonight's, tonight's the finale, the season finale of that. Yeah, and next week we have the triumphant return of season six of The Walking Dead. So. Woohoo! Yes. God, it's going to be a big TV week. Remember? Yeah, and, and then later, I mean, we're you know in the first week of October, but Halloween mm-hmm. will be here before we know it, so Ash versus the Evil Dead will be here, and yes. It's going to be insane. Okay, yeah, just in this week alone, we'll have uh, The Walking Dead, uh, American Horror Story, um, well, for my other viewing as well, Arrow will be back this week, too. And Flash follows, I think, shortly after. Yeah, yeah so it's <laughs> more time is going to be occupied by the TV. Uh, it's a sad existence, but I enjoy it. and and then on top of that mid-month we've got crimson peak yeah tales of halloween both on the same day on the 16th yeah um i I still haven't watched all of season two yet but the third season of hemlock grove starts Mm -hmm. on netflix i think at the end of the month as well third and final season actually i know um 
speaking of other movies, that's why I was, I was scrolling through VOD stuff this weekend, and there's stuff that's out that I had no idea was finally out. That um, Final Girl, not The Final Girls, the horror comedy one we've talked about before, but Final Girl with uh, Abigail Breslin. I started watching it Saturday, no, Friday night, and, and I got about, oh, I really liked it. I got about halfway okay. through it. I have the last half to watch, but I really enjoyed their, the approach and everything. I thought it was really cool. Yes. I, I, well, that one's been, that was in uh, either development, or, well, not development, but distribution hell for like the last three years that it's, you knew it was out there. There had been a trailer that had been leaked and stuff, but it just wasn't getting released. And it's like, Oh my God, when is this coming out? And then I'm looking on VOD and I'm like, what, when did this come out? Holy shit. Cause yeah, there's that, uh, cooties. Um, you can watch. Yeah, I still want to see that. And, uh, the, uh, have you two heard of the hive? No, that's, um, the first movie to come out of the nerdist film production thing for Chris Hardwick. Ooh. And it's supposed – I know very little about it other than it screamed very well and it's supposed to be fairly gory mm. and have to do with like contagions and kind of being quarantined and, and shit, basically like body horror stuff. Nice. I'll have to check. Yeah, I'll have to add that to the list. The ever-growing list. Okay. Yeah. The, never, the never-ending list, yeah. Now I've got like three different queues to keep track of between Amazon Prime, my Netflix, and Hulu. <laughs> uh, but you can always find stuff between the three. Is then you got whatever streaming if you got HBO Go and Showtime and all that. Like uh, getting back to uh, our Carpenter groove that we're going to get into here. That uh, yeah, this morning because of course last night I watched Escape from New York. That I've, I've seen so, so many times. We used to have that on a video disc player when I was a kid. For, okay, children, gather around the fire. Grandpa's gonna tell you a story about ancient technology. <laughs> yep. <laughs> video disc player was essentially a record that had, uh, digital, or, well, not digital, but it, it could be read for the video playback. Uh, it was developed by RCA, and you had uh, inside a plastic sleeve, or is yeah, is about the size of a record that you fed it into the front of it, and then halfway through the movie, you pulled it out and flipped it over, and put it in and watched the rest of the movie. So that's why for my entire life, I will always remember with Escape from New York when you have the Duke of New York interrogating Snake, and he looks at him and says, "Snake, listen," and bam, cracks him with the tire. I heard you were dead. That's the point that you flipped over the disc. <laughs> so that's how many times I watched that movie, and it still it still holds up. It's still funny, even though it happened twenty almost twenty years ago now. <laughs> Nineteen ninety seven, the tragedy of Manhattan being turned into a maximum security prison. But his soundtrack still rocks too. <laughs> it does yeah. have awesome fucking soundtracks. It. Uh. His scoring, um, every time I listen to, uh, Bloodhound Gang, uh, they have one of their songs, Something Diabolical, that, uh, that's one of the last songs I'd heard in a long time too, that plays well with both the stereo tracks so that you have separate tracks recorded for the vocals that goes left channel, right channel, left channel, right channel between the, each line of the song. But the way it opens with the, 
the the synth drums, the synth the synthesizer and everything. It's it's almost like a straight up homage to John Carpenter uh Escape from New York. <laughs> so anyway, that's kinda of jumping in the middle of his career. Do we wanna we wanna go chronological or do we wanna just talk about the whole oeuvre and mystique and majesty that is John Carpenter? I'm super OCD, so I say chronological, but I'll <laughs> defer to whatever you two would like. Well, sounds good. Yeah, speaking, There's speaking so much of, to cover. Yeah, speaking of OCD, that should be a shout out to another one of our uh, former 40 friends that I saw. Uh, Sean Parker posted his uh, DVD Blu-rays for the month of October. And I didn't count. I think there's like 49 of them. Every single one of them was in alphabetical order. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that as well. <laughs> I noticed, too, that out of the whole stack, there's only like five of them I haven't seen. <laughs> so... But, uh, yeah, John Carpenter. Um, I know he always said that, uh, it was the benefit of being a, uh, like a two for one purchase for the studios of trying to market it himself more by also composing scores for pretty much all of his movies. And, uh, did you see the, uh, the news I posted earlier in the week too that he's going to be headlining a uh, live performance at some music festival in Iceland? Yeah, and I can't, like, the first time he's ever played live in front of people, I couldn't yeah. believe that. Can I do it once? <laughs> do you know how much I would pay to see him? Like, I, I want Halloween on the big screen with him on a synthesizer playing live and then doing a Q&A afterwards. Okay. I would I would pay any amount of money to see that in person. Yeah, I would sell, I'd probably sell my kids. To <laughs> I would kidnap someone's kids and the... sell them. <laughs> Stuck to your seat from the geek chasm. <laughs> I'd bring a change of pants, obviously. <laughs> Scotch garden. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. What am I oh, soundtracks? That's why it threw me off. I'm like, wait a minute. That that wasn't the first. So he's uh, written. He's got 42 writing credits, 28 directing credits, 23 composing credits, and 16 acting credits. <laughs> Dude is prolific. Uh, but his uh, very first movie, um, also uh, starring and uh, co-written work with uh, the legendary Dan O'Bannon, who went on to do um, Alien and Return of the Living Dead, is Dark Star. That was like their student film project. And, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's, it is low budget, It, but... Intelligent bombs. That was the fun. I, I did laugh at that. And the alien that looked like a giant beach ball with gargoyle hands. Because it was a giant beach ball <laughs> with gargoyle hands. <laughs> this was actually the first time I'd ever watched it. Was this week? Same here. <laughs> I'd always heard it, about it. Yeah, and it did strike me because I read a, a quote from Carpenter, and he's like, "Yeah." They made us take a, a pretty good-looking student film and add more to it and put it out so it looked like a really shitty movie. <laughs> and I completely get that now that I've seen it. Well, especially the, the bit I was laughing at is uh, the part when uh, – oh, what's his character's name? Dan O'Bannon's character. Uh, pulling up the – I can't think of it now. It starts with a P, I think. Yeah. Uh, come on. Scroll by too quick. Such a small cast, it flew right by. Yeah, pinback. There you go. 
that when he's hanging off the bottom of the elevator. I had to laugh at that because I started watching it and then showing the scenes that the way they're doing it in the style, the camera's rotated so it looks like he's at the top of your frame hanging off the bottom of this elevator. And he's like, oh, dangling for his life. Except for you can tell that they just laid the camera upside down and are pulling like a dolly across the hallway floor because his hair is falling back towards the floor because you can't fool gravity on a low budget. (laughs) So, yeah, I did enjoy it though for what it was. It definitely was a movie of its time though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's when you can tell people seemed a little bit baked when they processed that film. (laughs) But it did bring us alien that it did that it did because yeah there's there is a lot of bit, little bits they borrow from that going through the uh yeah between the elevator shafts or going through air ducts and the essentially the bug hunt for the the alien escapes you wanted the ship's mascot <laughs> <laughs> but then from that 1974 production we go on to 1976 and Assault on Precinct 13. One of That's, the best siege movies ever made. Seriously? Yes. yes. That one, you can you go back and you watch that. And uh, granted, it's I can see where it... Uh, oh, you can tell where some Westerns definitely influenced the style for that. There's some of the old Westerns where you have the siege and the fort. That There's, there's some tropes that are just going to come along with that. But he definitely... Put his own spin on it, added a new new layer to it, and you know, stealing an ice cream truck. Come on, that I, and I forget that every single time. It's so funny to me, and I know I shouldn't chuckle at it, but when the girl's like, "This is just regular vanilla," and walks back and just gets shot right in the chest, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes me chuckle. I swear, I feel it like a horrible make person. You a bad person, though. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a human response. But uh, I wonder who was in that because there's you start to see some of the the background character actors that pop up in a lot of other uh, John Carpenter films. Because if I remember right, like the uh, in Escape from New York, the guy who comes out and meets Lee Van Cleef and the the group when they land and tells him, "You have 20 seconds to get in the air." With it, you know, looks like he was. Out of straight out of a Warner Brothers cartoon, had his hair blown back by a bomb. He's the dude who, who steals the ice cream truck <laughs> in Assault on Precinct 13. So there's there's all the little that's when there's the random character actors that he, he's good about reusing people. Which uh, yeah, five five films with uh, Kurt Russell. We can get into that in a bit. My whole theory, my unification theory for the John, John Carpenter films with Kurt Russell. I'll save that. Well, my thing is when we first kind of decided this was going to be the theme, I had a hell of a time picking which movies to watch because obviously there was no way I was going to find time to watch all of them no. over the course of like a few days. But it was like, okay, so do I watch this? Do I watch that? But there's so many different vibes going on in his catalog that it was it was pretty tricky, I thought, to pick mm-hmm. which ones I was going to watch. Oh, yeah. I went with the ones I had never seen before, which there were a handful, or the ones that I hadn't watched in quite a while, just so I could squeeze them in, and then I had enough time to to revisit Halloween and the thing, which 
I can play the entire movies in my head. I've seen them so many times, but I couldn't resist not watching them right before we recorded. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, I wanted to watch Halloween. I pulled off my shelves and I actually found I had between Blu-rays and DVDs. I had five John Carpenter films. Granted, I've got two different copies of Halloween, but as I had Halloween, Halloween Two, uh, Ghost of Mars, <laughs> uh, The Thing. And, uh, uh, oh no, a six, sorry, vampires and big trouble in little China. <laughs> but, um, for my viewing, at least, uh, the last few days, uh, yeah, I was definitely trying to find what I could stream where, um, introduced my wife and daughter to, uh, Prince of Darkness. Uh, but we're getting out of order. We're getting sidetracked. <laughs> Let's try to be organized. Semi-on-topic rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> we didn't venture off into some other person's movies or TV show about it. Oh, yeah, maybe think about this. Uh, because we can't, you know, we definitely, going in order, we have to, because the next one from 1978 is the end-all, be-all, the one that everybody knows John Carpenter for, Halloween. My now, favorite horror film yeah. of all time. Love all Halloween. time. Now, when was the first time you guys ever saw Halloween? Oh, I was a little kid. Yeah, I think I was like, I was somewhere in between six and eight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Probably right. I know I saw Friday the 13th before I saw Halloween. I'm trying to remember when I saw Halloween. Yeah, it was probably about that somewhere in the eight to ten year old ballpark. What totally blows me away about Halloween and I mean, I wa- there are a lot of movies I love that do not have this same effect, but I get tense watching it. Like, when she's in the closet, I fucking am all like, Rawr! even though I know exactly what's going to fucking happen. And I've watched it eight billion times, but I still am like, ugh. Well, the thing for me is, uh, again, this, this plays back into John Carpenter's scoring, that, you know, with uh, Friday the 13th, you got the immoral connection of for for Jason with, you know, like the violin screech, you know, to make you jump and stuff. But with Halloween, just that staccato beat of the keyboard for just the theme music. But then all the bits too, when the stocking through the house, that, that, that bass opening, that dun, 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 ding, 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 ding. It's one of those you're like, oh, bad thing. Bad things happening. Bad things are going to happen. And before I forget, uh, I'll mention that for everyone that listens, this is going to play on movie theater screens at the end of the month for as a Fathom event, one night only. I want to say it's two days before Halloween, and I will most definitely be in the theater watching it, even though I own it on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, for people lucky enough to live near a theater that does shit like this. Hey, it's your own fault for living in the sticks. <laughs> Although, believe me, I would much rather be out in the middle of nowhere with no one around me after being stuck in the apartment for the last few days because of the flooding. My neighbors are fucking annoying. <laughs> so I will say that's that's my, my all-time dream is if I won the lotto, first I got to buy a ticket. But uh, if I won the lotto, I would open my own. Draft house style art house cinema, and I would do screenings of stuff like that. I mean, the month of October would be uh, balls to the wall, you know, 
finding those those odd prints of things that people don't get to see. And of course, there would be every Saturday night, there would be a midnight Rocky Horror show because you got to. Is now a bad time for me to admit I've never watched that movie not once. <gasps> oh, where's the shame bell? <laughs> you bring it. Oh, Seth. Now it's almost a point of pride where I'm like, yeah, I've never seen it and I'm not going to watch it. What you going to do about it? Big whoop. Want to fight about it? <laughs> uh, see, we need to we need to have an episode of uh, I've never. Never so, have I ever? Yeah. We need to do that. Because, you know, I've confessed to you never seeing the birds. I've confessed now to ro- not seeing Rocky Horror Show. Random, clips. I kind of know what it's about. That excuse didn't work for me on the birds. No, it doesn't <laughs> but that's work. Hitchcock, it's man. man. Rocky Horror is Rocky Horror, man. <laughs> Damn it, Janet. <laughs> I've seen Repo did the genetic opera. Does that count? I have no. that on DVD too. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> I was just saying that the piss you guys off. <laughs> What Paris Hilton isn't better than Tim Curry? What? Isn't that weird? You wouldn't, you would think, but no. <laughs> but Anthony Stewart Head has been has played Frankenfurter on stage. What uh, is that a truth bomb that stunned everybody? We got dead silence. Sorry, someone walked in, so I muted. Oh. My <laughs> I didn't want to. And I'm like, I don't even know who what that is because I haven't seen the movie. So Tim Curry's character in Rocky. Oh, okay. Dr. Frankenfurter, that Anthony Stewart Head played, has played him on stage. Uh, see, there's our rabbit hole, folks. <laughs> we went from Halloween to Rocky Horror. <laughs> now you need to break out the shame bell. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. Halloween was 78, so Rocky Horror predated Halloween because Rocky Horror just had its 40th anniversary, too. So. Anyway, but out of the Halloween films, what is it? Carpenter only did the first two. He didn't direct the second one, though. I think he right. only yeah, produced he and maybe co-wrote, or at least came up with the story idea, I think. Yeah, I think he did co-writing on that, and then the rest of them, he just had producer credits and based on characters created by. And, yeah, there's still a bunch of those I still need to watch sometimes to say I've watched them all. <laughs> I know they're not that great, so I've not really pushed myself to try to watch them. <laughs> they're not. I mean, I've seen all of them, and, and really, the the only ones I really consider canon are Halloween, Halloween 2, and H2O. I lump those three together, consider them the trilogy. I, I don't even acknowledge Halloween Resurrection. See, I, I will say, though, I have a sentimental love for, I think it was, no, it was five. For number five, because we went to the theater when I was, I don't know, I think I must have been like 12 when it came out, maybe somewhere around there, 13. We went to the theater. We were going to go see a little like PG movie or something, and we conned our way into Halloween 5. And so it always holds a sentimental place in my heart. See, uh, one of the bits I was thinking about... Uh... And I know it's it's going to raise the ire of Joe by invoking the name of Rob Zombie. Yeah. <laughs> I did think it was funny though that uh, for the wraparound of the orig- the uh, 
Curse of Michael Myers and all those the that spread of films that you had Daniel the very young Danielle Harris that she was brought into the Rob Zombie films and playing the the uh, playing Annie, uh, the daughter of the sheriff. I was so excited version. to see her. Yeah, that she was like just about my favorite part of those movies. I just love her. My favorite bit is actually Brad Dourif and Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> if you if you watch the, uh, yes, I admit I own it, and I know Joe doesn't. <laughs> God no. The bonus features on the Blu-ray. There's bits of the outtakes that you just have Brad Dourif and Malcolm McDowell riffing with each other in between takes in a car. <laughs> It is quite funny. There's like 20 minutes of it. Just the two. Jeff, what? I actually have a story that I don't know if Joe has heard, but it'll probably make him pretty happy. Bring it. About Rob Zombie not being let into his own concert because oh. the security thought he was a homeless person. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, I've heard that before. That has turned out to be a hoax. Rob Zombie actually got on his Facebook page and saying, you know, I know you all have heard this story, but no, it's a 100% fake. No, Joe, pretend it's real. Joe, <laughs> pretend it's real. Good. Actually, I, I really like Rob Zombie. I like him as a person. I, I like him as a musician. I like him as a filmmaker. I don't but, so much like him as a writer. Mm. So, honestly, if we're going from, I, I feel like we should be saying more about Halloween. Just because it is the, one of the biggest ones there that I feel we're doing a disservice by not saying more about. See, I don't think so because I think that we we got in how fantastic the soundtrack and scoring plays into it all, and and it's such an iconic movie that I I find it highly unlikely that too many in our audience have not seen it, and sure. I think it's pretty abundantly apparent that we all fucking love it. It's amazing. If anyone hasn't seen it, see it. Like, right now. Like, pause this, go watch Halloween, then come back. That's we... awesome. And ponder your life choices if you've not already seen that film. Seriously. <laughs> that's not okay. Uh, I should say, too, at this point, uh, his frequent collaborator who also helped, uh, I believe she helped co-write uh, with uh, Deborah Hill. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, there's still in the works a, a documentary on Deborah Hill and her career that uh, I haven't checked up on to see where that's going production-wise. I'm following it on Facebook, but I haven't checked it up in other places to see uh, where it's at in development and stuff. But, so let's see. Also in 1978, uh, he did a TV movie, Someone's Watching Me. Which I did rent on iTunes and watch. Have you guys seen that one? Have not seen it. I don't think so. Actually, not, I mean, it's of course dated as all get out, but not a bad little thriller. It's about this lady who moves to Los Angeles, gets this really nice apartment. She works for uh, television news, and across from her high rise apartment is another high rise apartment, and this guy is spying on everyone across the way with a telescope, zeroes in on her, and starts stalking her. And basically just start sending her little things, getting into her apartment various ways and doing things and just drives her mad over a period of a, a little while. And uh, it, it was pretty damn good. I, I bet people watching it at the time were freaked out. Yeah. yeah definitely, definitely predating stalker laws that we have now. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking like old rotary phone action, him <laughs> making phone calls where like he says nothing or breathes into the phone, following her in the car, no caller ID. things like that. Yeah, exactly. No caller ID. Although now we make it so much easier for everyone to stalk us just by what we say online and everywhere else. But yeah, um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It looks like uh, I was looking through the casting of it on IMDb. I see that. Uh, May have been the first time he worked with Adrian Barbeau. Oh, Adrian. Yeah, she's the friend of the main character in this. Let's see. Going from that, uh, the next TV movie and first work with the legendary Kurt Russell, Elvis. Oh, I love Elvis. I have, I remember seeing that back when it came out, when it was on, because my parents were like, oh, you know, it was a... It was a TV event. It was an event, for yeah. sure. I see. That's the one I had no clue existed until this week, and I could. It's the only one I couldn't find anywhere. I couldn't find it to rent online or anything like that. I would have had to buy it, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have time to, to buy it and get it in and see it. Yeah. I didn't even look at the casting. It's a sign of its times. Ed Bigley Jr., Shelley Winters. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, who else is in this grand cast? But Kurt Russell did a great Elvis. He really did. <laughs> yeah. Kurt Russell does a great everything. Oh, wow. Joe Montaigne was in this. Wow. Montaigne? Yeah, Joe Montaigne. Joe Montana. Uh, <laughs> Ellen Travolta. <laughs> what else we got down here? Uh, random people, their names listed in the cast, but there's no name for their character. <laughs> That's when you're, that's when you're getting deep into the role. Uh, yeah, I, I have, I, I, I do remember seeing that as a kid. That was like one of those miniseries TV movie events that the, my parents were big into. But shortly after that, 1980 though, we go to, um, his first probably really real work, uh, with Adrian and Barbo more out in the forefront, The Fog. Which I watched today. I meant to. There's a toss-up on watching that one. It's still awesome. Love it. Except her radio show really sucks ass. Let's be yes. realistic here. <laughs> She's all like, hey, everybody, I'm up in the lighthouse. Listen to my shitty jazz. Like, yes. it's terrible. <laughs> you guys, oh, you guys can't sleep? Listen to my show for 30 seconds. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's so terrible, and I'm just like, is that really, like, the only radio station available there? Because otherwise I'm not sure why anyone would listen, ever. Was she AM or FM? I don't know. She was <laughs> CZ. Uh, but, Grandma, I want to look. Go back in the house to me. <laughs> but, Grandma. Let's see. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was uh, one of the few films too that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her mother Janet Lee were in the same film together. Indeed. Oh yep, that's right. Did they actually have seen together? I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I think. I I mean, they weren't like it wasn't like a ton of interaction between the two of them through the majority of the movie, but they are together in one or two scenes, I think. Okay. And then you have the classic 80s staple at the time of the dour old man, John Houseman. They did a lot of stuff back then. 
That's after uh, Paper Chase. That was around that time after you played that whole league. Yeah, was, that one. That one is one of those that it definitely is dated, but it's mm-hmm. such a cool, creepy, ghosty story that it's it's still a lot of fun. I think. Yeah. Well, it's that. Uh, okay. Yeah, Rabbit Trail. My brain got on the John House when I was trying to remember what investment firm it was that he used to do those commercials for. They make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. I always remember, though, that was about the same time as the Bartles and James commercials. Thank you for your support. Old man commercials. (laughs) Old man commercials. But then from the fog, we go to the introduction of uh, definitely one of Kurt Russell's more immortal characters, Snake Plissken in Escape from New York. Which, seriously, that is such a fun movie. I don't fucking care who you are. That movie is just a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs going nuts for something. We don't, have, yeah, we don't have Damn It and Juju to bark. I'll let mine do it. <laughs> and mine's passed out on the floor, so she's quiet. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, Escape from New York. I mean, I know we're going to jump a little out of order here, but might as well talk about Escape from L.A. at the same time. Definitely. Because, I don't know, it's, uh, yeah, our friend, once again, Graham Doyle, uh, summed it up well. He says, it's a movie I love that tries so hard to make me hate it. <laughs> yes, most <laughs> there's, definitely. There's so much, there's some great stuff in there, but there's so much stuff that it's, it feels like it's just a direct, I don't know, can you rip off your own material? Yeah, well, it makes the cardinal mistake of all sequels that just don't really there, – there was nothing new to bring to the table for it. So it was an exact copy of the first movie, except he's going into L.A. on a submarine mm-hmm. instead of hang gliding in the New York. And instead yeah. of a boxing ring, there's the basketball court. Which he made that shot himself, that full-length shot. Because to look at it now, I, watched, I just watched that before we recorded the CGI for that is not good. It's, it d- did not hold up with age. <laughs> and so I told my wife, she's like, well, they didn't do any camera tricks that for when he did the, the full length court shot. And I'm like, honey, with as bad as the CGI has been in the rest of this, you could tell if he, if they faked that shot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I always remember that was when they were talking about making it that Kurt Russell said he would only go back and do it if he could still fit into the original outfit. So, you know, 15 years later to go back and still wear the exact same outfit your character wore then, and he fit. That's because he's Kirk, Kirk fucking Russell, that's why. Goldie Honky. He can do shape. anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, Escape, though, that one always, like, I remember as a little kid breaking out after I saw that movie breaking out my dad's old typewriter and actually writing short stories about being a character who was in New York and not in the action of the movie, but like watch some of what had snake had done and kind of had this whole little diatribe and, and I don't even know where the hell it went. And I would love to read it. I'm sure it's horrible, <laughs> but that movie planet, the original Planet of the apes and Mad Max combined. That's the trilogy, the, the post-apocalyptic trilogy that, has got my undying love for those types of movies <laughs> from a young kid. Yeah, I haven't. 
Yeah, I can, it is one that I've watched so many times. I can even put it in for like I essentially I was watching it, but also at the same time using it for background last night when I was editing together uh, this episode's uh, mashup of uh, movie clips. So it's because I just I know the movie that well that you can just sit back and enjoy it. But there's still bits that are a little more unforgivable in Escape from L.A. when I'm watching it today. Poor Michelle Forbes. Her character was just, they should have just called her Exposition Girl. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't her name in the credits? Yeah. Well, even the bit at the end when he fakes him out, she's the one who has to yell to the president, It's just a hologram! Really? Is that is that why when Stacy Keat chose replacing Lee Van Cleef's rifle just kind of whiffed through him and the electronic dazzle? Really? That You had to tell us that's a hologram? Thank you so much. Oh, I hate obvious lines like that. It makes me feel like I'm going back to the old Super Friends cartoon. We must go here and do this to fight this person now. Oh no, they did this. Uh, say it with the pictures. You don't need to say it with the words. Come on. That's why I, I feel there's parts of me. There's parts of me that feel that he, the carpenter, just kind of phoned it in for Escape from L.A. It's kind of like, ah, eh, might as well. <laughs> But I did see Kurt Russell has, uh, as, as, uh, written by, uh, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Kurt Russell when I was watching the credits this morning. So maybe we can blame that on Kurt. No, you can't blame he's, Eddie on Kurt. He's Kurt fucking Russell. <laughs> he's, yes, he's, he's perfection. He's the computer that wore tennis shoes. <laughs> How's that for a callback? Thank you, wonderful world of Disney. Uh, but uh, well, yeah, like you were saying, your post-apocalyptic uh, trilogy that is there. for back of a little yeah. better term. <laughs> that um, I didn't realize until doing a little bit of my research as well that uh, there is part there is film out of his resume that John Carpenter consider, considers his apocalyptic trilogy. And the first of the three uh, is another one of the 1982. I keep thinking we need to do an episode on 1982. Best There's, year for oh, films. I actually, I, I could tag that up from uh, my letterbox page. I did make a list of 1982 being the best year of film. And uh, I'm willing to debate that point with anybody. Again, it could be like, you know, when we had our talk with Frank Dietz, it's, it's, it is that magic window period for most of us on the show. So it's, we might be a little bit biased, but damn, you cannot look at the list of films I came up with from 1982 and tell me that the, that was not the greatest year, one of the greatest years of cinema ever. And including all genres as well as horror. But yes, to get back to the (laughs) original point, (laughs) uh, 1982, the thing, the thing is, I watched that today too. And yeah. it made me just as happy as it has the other 30 million times I've watched it. You got Wilfred Brimley with the diabetes. You got... Diabetes. <laughs> Special effects that hold up better than shit done today with CGI. Yes. Yes, practical will always win out. Uh, I mean, Halloween's always going to be my favorite horror film and my favorite film of his... But I have to say, The Thing is probably his best film as a writer, director, composer. 
Oh, it's so it's like the you end up finding out so much about the people and but it doesn't feel like obvious exposition and you understand exactly. their relationships to each other really quickly and oh it's just so good and so creepy and awesome and great great twists that pop up throughout it um and again yeah with the scoring the essentially the synthesizer heartbeat throughout that 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 just gives its own sense of foreboding with everything else that goes on as we're, as we're talking about this one, though, I guess uh, it's fair to go on a little bit of a side tangent. What are you guys' opinion of uh, the prequel? Never watched it. I thought it was it was fairly good. I mean, it definitely like the thing I probably end up watching, you know, a couple of times a year probably. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I think I've only watched the prequel twice, maybe. But it was, I mean, it was good enough to watch twice. I watched it once. That's, oh, that's okay. as far as I got. I mean... I, do, I appreciate the wraparound ending to where it has the the Norwegian helicopter chasing the, the dog through the, the snow. That's the opener of John Carpenter's thing. Right. So, I well, like... And I, I actually went into it really like, meh, and it exceeded my expectations. Yeah. I will say that because I just I I was like, there's just no way that this is going to be any good, really. (laughs) Like, and maybe that sounds negative, but I've been burned before. So I had my heart broken. It it rose from Matt. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever go. Oh, my God. Totally. Don't waste the time to watch that. Like, I I feel like it's worth watching. Yeah, I, I can get that. I can get that. I I watched it just because at least at the time they were touting the whole going to be the mix of CGI and practical. We're going to be using practical. I, I had a hard time finding the practical when I watched it. So I'm like, you lied to me. So I, that's where I, was a little, I remember now being offended when I watched it. If it would have been, if Carpenter would have come back and he would have done the prequel and it would have just been the Norwegians and we had subtitles and it showed them you know, finding the UFO, finding the alien and what happened to them... Mm-hmm. I would have been all in on that, but it it, it would seem like a cash grab to me. And then they threw in like the American people just so we had someone that we could be involved with. And that's our character into it. And, and I didn't need that. I felt it was so pandering. I just didn't even bother. Yeah. What I think is funny is every time I watch the thing, I always want to watch alien after it. Yep. And that's going to that. have to be, we need to do a sci-fi horror episode yeah. and i think our biggest debate's going to be which one's the best of the bunch is it the thing or is it alien mm. right you can't I'll, I'll say exactly yeah I'll, I'll, I'll yeah i've got thoughts playing in my head but yeah i'll save it for that that episode i, I change my opinion like every time i think about it <laughs> yeah there is that's a pretty tight battle right there uh, so yeah, we got with the thing that, uh, also became the first time that, uh, John Carpenter worked with, uh, Craig David, which, you know, down the so road. So great in that movie too. Uh, yes, from the thing, we go to 1984 or 83, sorry, 83. And father's looking straight across the page. Uh, 
<laughs> I stood up so I couldn't look at my screen straight. <laughs> but yes, in 1983, we had uh, two great tastes that taste great together. John Carpenter and Stephen King. Ah. Oh. Christine. Watch that today too, actually. Can you tell what I did today? What I did with my Sunday? <laughs> yeah. I watched John Carpenter movies from sun up to freaking an hour so, ago. I will say you've got John Carpenter scoring, but you uh, let me double check on that to make sure I'm not speaking out of class on that one. But I do believe Carpenter did scoring for that as well. But he had to have not someone just copied his sort of pattern. Yeah, because yeah, it sounded Carpenter. just like him. Music by John Carpenter. But the soundtrack, to go separately with the music, I cannot hear Buddy Holly's Not Fade Away and not think of that movie. Me neither. That <laughs> soundtrack, I actually had that soundtrack on vinyl. Mm-hmm. It's yes. so good. And it is one of the few Stephen King books I have read, as was discussed in previous episodes. So, I... I tried to find for my mashup clip, and I could not find that audio clip anywhere. So I said, they had to pick up the bottom half of him with a shovel. Isn't that what you're supposed to do with dog shit? Such a great line. That movie oh. still holds up. Yes, it does. Like, the effects in it from the car, like, fixing itself and everything oh. else, it's still yes. just so Show. good. I admit, in my in my own fantasy mind brain, there's times I've, like, looked at broken shit. <laughs> like, problems with my own cars or something. <laughs> I've had that fantasy just looking at me going, Show me. <laughs> Shit. Nothing. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> You're really bad at this, Kia. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I love that movie. And I know it's it's one of those where it's way dated, obviously. It's very late 70s, early 80s in style and everything. But, oh, my God, it's so fucking good. I'm still trying to figure out where casting found the, uh, like, the guy has to be John Travolta's stand-in double. Oh, you mean the 40-year-old the, high school bully? bully. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, he looks like he's like a fucking like mechanic from the local shop, and he just happens to hang out at the high school and bully <laughs> fucking Cuntingham. Cuntingham. <laughs> forgot about that one. Uh, yes, I wanted not- to touch that one. Let's let's talk about the mom. I know we talked about it in messaging a little bit, but <laughs> what a bitch. Oh, yes. that woman. And seriously, like, his poor friend, he's like, what do you mean I let him? Like, he's my age. It's not like I'm his dad. What's your problem? <laughs> Parenting. You fail. Speaking of, okay, yeah, I'm going to go on a side tangent here. Speaking of bitches, um, I started using, uh, with my exercising, There's a, it's a fun app. It is a fun app for exercising called Zombies Run. That it's an immersive story that you get into. And it gives you the option. You can turn it on or off. You can have zombie chases. That uh, you're at a base. The very first mission I just did, I was flying in on a helicopter. They crashed outside of the base I was headed to. But I managed to have some of the radio gear. So one of the guys inside the base is guiding me on the missions of where to, where to go and how to get into the base and stuff. But uh, there's bits when the zombies are getting close that the that it will tell you that you have to pick up your pace with your walk or run to outrun the zombies. But uh, I turned that off, so I'm just doing the walk. But as you walk along, you pick up supplies and all this different stuff. But anyways, there's a, you're supposed to go into this hospital that's near the base, and the doctor at the base you're trying to get to telling you that there's this equipment that you need to get, and everybody here runs their keeps so 
You know, if you don't get that, we we just may not let you in. <laughs> I'm walking along, I'm like, bitch, I just survived a helicopter crash and I was on my way here to help you guys. And you're not going to let my ass in if I can't find this precious one item for you? <laughs> Earn your keep, dude. Earn your keep. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I recommend Zombies Run. Um, I know our friend uh, Darren Fahey of the uh, Irish Pubcast. He's been doing it with his runs, and it's fun. You actually get to build up your own base with supplies and stuff and improve the morale of people and increase your population and all these other things. But it's actually it's a pretty good immersive story. I'm enjoying it so far. There's a little bit of mystery because you've got to figure out who shot down your helicopter on the way in because there's a rocket launcher out of nowhere. <laughs> so... It'll be, I'm, I'm looking, it's encouraging me to exercise because now I want to find out what happens with the rest of the story. So, anyway. Yes, bad parenting. Bad, bad parents. What a bitch. I really, I wanted to see Christine back over her in the driveway at one point. Seriously. And I <laughs> hope never she's got the satisfaction. Yogurt. I hope she's carrying yogurt at the time. Exactly. Flats yes. everywhere. Oh. Uh, well, from there, we kind of, he dips back into the not so horror, but still sci fi realm of 1984's Starman with uh, Jeff Bridges. I forgot how, how much, uh, affectation he put onto that character until I watched a trailer clip of it last night. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years. That's one of the few that I didn't get to this weekend. But I probably haven't watched it since it first debuted on cable back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I remember enjoying it as a kid, but I have no idea if it even begins to hold up still. Yeah, I'd be curious to see on that because it, it's true. I, I haven't watched that in ages now. It was long enough that uh, I had my actresses mixed up <laughs> when I was watching it because I'd forgotten that um, uh, uh, Karen Allen played the lead in it. For some reason, I was thinking of other some other small brunette actress. Can't remember who, but I forgot it was Karen Allen. But again, yeah, that's one he directed but did not write. So we fall into that realm now and then. So do we actually have much to say on Starman other than we didn't see it? I love seeing that, that they've taken back to the big giant crater is where he's supposed to get picked up by his rendezvous. I, I actually forgot all about long that. Ago that I, if I watched it again, I'm sure I'd be like, "Oh yeah," but I, I don't remember a lot of it. Oh yes, the tagline: "He has traveled from a galaxy far beyond our own. He is 100,000 years ahead of us. He has powers we cannot comprehend, and he is about to face the one force in the universe that he has yet to conquer: love." Ah, la la la. Because that was around the same time as, like, Enemy Mine and um, The Last Starfighter, too. So you had, like, all these different alien movies that were, you know, either action-adventure, drama, or, like, th- this one was the love story. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about Starfighter. That's one of my favorite mashup t-shirts that I have. It, it shows uh, the 11th Doctor holding uh, handles and standing in front of the TARDIS. And it says the last, the last time word. It looks just nice. like the cover for Last Starfighter. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm a geek. I'm a geek. Proud of it. But, okay, he didn't do anything in 85. He took a break for a year. He hadn't taken a break since 78. He'd been doing something yearly. But he came back in 1986 with one of the most 
immortal, most quotable movies. I goddamn I quote this movie on a daily basis. Big Trouble in Little China. It's a classic. I'm looking it's at such a fun ride. I have I have a very sm- I have a small. I've only got about ten maybe of the Funko Pop vinyl figures. I have a Jack Burton. I'm looking at it right now as I'm recording. <laughs> that check is in the mail, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's one I, I watch it at least once or twice a year. It's just it's the fun one, kind of what you're talking about, putting it on in the background. Because oh, you've yeah. seen it so many times, you can watch the movie in your head as you're hearing the dialogue, doing something in another room. Yeah, I've got, and it's it's almost, there's lines from that that with Friends. It's almost like it's one of those films. It's almost like secret language that you pass on to people. Because I've got friends that you know, people you find you didn't know they they are fans of the movie, and then someone talks about don't forget to take your six demon bag, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> what the hell is Gracie Law doing here? And I love this movie so much. Victor really? Long, it's it's just great. Is egg. <laughs> Get good to get the buzz on. <laughs> How you feeling? I feel pretty good. I feel kind of confident. <laughs> uh, and then with uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. That's one I would kill for them to do a sequel for. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Because yeah, uh, I'm spacing on his name. David Lopan, James Hong. He's another fun one to follow on Twitter because. It was actually one night that I was watching. I watched Big Trouble in Little China when I got it on Blu-ray. And then after that, just going for more of a comedy vibe, I put in Airplane. I hadn't watched it in forever. James Wong plays the Japanese soldier that commits Harry Carey sitting next to... Uh, he does! Yes. Holy shit! And that's what I, I tweeted. I said, unintentional James, James Hong marathon. Uh, uh, watched watched uh, Big Trouble in Little China and then Airplane. It's after. didn't Forgot he was in this. All of a sudden, I get a tweet back from James Hong. He says, I had fun making those. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, holy shit, David Lopan's following me on Twitter. <laughs> but I found out he was only, he's not quite as prod- prodigious as Tony Todd on retweeting and following things that his name pops up on. But he's, he's actually quite active on, on Twitter. Yeah, Tony must have, like, a, a, he must do a search every hour or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which made me offended. I didn't get it. I didn't get retweeted for sending out something about Candyman on his birthday. <laughs> so <laughs> I felt slighted. But you will acknowledge me, witness. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. We go from Big Trouble in Little China to Prince of Darkness. Another one. Again, it goes back to Six Demon Bag. That's all I could think of every time I'm watching it and seeing Victor Wong playing this philosophy, uh, uh, whatever his actual PhD was, that he was the professor of this group. That I just kept thinking every time that they're battling something bad, where's your Six Demon Bag? Throw, you know, throw, throw some marbles at him and blow him up. <laughs> Do your little pinky twiddle and fight him. <laughs> this is one I loved. Even as a kid, I loved this one. And I watched it with my dad. He was bored, and I was enthralled with it. Alice Cooper, King of the Hobos. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Alice Cooper's in your movie. I'm sold. That's what I said. Yeah, I did. 
Well, the bicycle kill. That was that was a truly original kill. With to you know stab the guy through with the bicycle frame and then balance him on it. <laughs> but yeah, don't swap spit with Satan. That's that's kind of the moral of that whole movie. <laughs> but yeah, that's what uh, as we're watching it with my wife and child the other night and the whole bit when the, the bums first start or excuse me the homeless or uh, residentially challenged individuals start coming out of, out of the, the alley and Alice Cooper's in the front of them like Alice Cooper King of the Hobos and my wife just kind of laughs and then she goes holy shit that is him <laughs> <laughs> like yes <laughs> uh, but yeah that King one of the squirters that one that's uh, the second one of his uh, trilogy for apocalyptic visions and it is it it is kind of a very original take in the blend of science, quantum physics, uh, and the supernatural and religion. To be able to look at it from all those angles of, you know, essentially getting down to, nowadays you'd be essentially calling it the God particle for creation, of, but getting down mm-hmm. to what is evil and the creation of it. So it, I, I did, uh, I always like that spin on that on that film because it would be interesting to look at to that one. I could almost say I wouldn't mind seeing a reboot now because to see what their spin and take would be with the advances in technology in the past 20 some years and see, you know, what kind of spin would you put on it now? But again, yeah, I would still be open for that. But, and to see, so from Prince darkness, we go to 1988 now to one. We've already actually done a full length commentary track for in a previous episode. They live. Well, and I feel like right now might be a good time to just give uh, Dawn's list of her favorites because I kind of wanted to wait till we covered, till we got into all of them. But uh-huh. her list was Halloween, They Live, Christine, The Fog, The Thing, and Big Trouble in Little China, which I think is a very respectable list. Very. Then she also does, does the honorable for Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yes. But, but they live, as we all know, is fucking awesome. Oh yeah. Has it all. It's got all in all. Except for Bubblegum. He's all out. He ran out. It's not his fault. <laughs> I have enjoyed the uh they live uh post campaign posters for Donald Trump that have been making the rounds. Isn't it just I saw that and cracked up yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you couldn't get a more perfect image, a no. more deserved image. Consume. <laughs> oh, but yes, from they live, uh, we go on to memoirs of an invisible man, which I watched this morning I, for the first time ever. Really? Yeah, I'd never seen it. I, I have no idea how I missed it back in the early '90s, but I, today was the first I ever watched it. I was really wanting to rewatch it because I remember enjoying it back in the day and I remember then someone telling me, Oh yeah, John Carpenter directed that and I'm like, What? The guy who did Halloween did did this film and for some reason at, at that age my brain could not make that style of connection. <laughs> but I remember enjoying it. I remember renting it multiple times. But uh guys yeah, I probably haven't seen it since then, so my brain's blinked on part of it out of the last twenty five years. 
Yeah, I mean, it was pretty decent. It wasn't my favorite take on the Invisible Man, but it was pretty cool seeing Sam Neill as a bad guy. Uh, you need to watch Peaky Blinders, then. I do. It's on my list. <laughs> I love Sam Neill. I really do. And you can From... watch Sam Neill with a Belfast accent. Yes, you can. I know, I know and I'm, an Edom. I know I murdered that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you sorry, Dermot. That not said a word. Sorry, Bobby. Sorry, Dermot. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay. So we did a uh, memoirs of Invisible Man. So recommend it. Um, next up, uh, another one of his films we've talked about on a uh, previous show with our uh, anthologies, Body Bags. Yes? No? No, we didn't talk about that. Ever. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I know. <fucking> <laughs> it's like there's lots of pauses. I don't, I don't have Don's wisecracks to fill in the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up the slack. <laughs> Come on. This is a team effort. We're the podtastic four. But we're down one, so <laughs> now we're the thrilling three, I guess. And you know, we could actually we could actually say it, and I know Don would not be offended I I at least I feel Don would not be offended in one little bit that she's the ever loving blue eyed thing out of our group. I think she would be happy with that. I think she'd be alright with that. So does that make you, does that make you sue then, Jenny? As long as I'm not Jessica Alba. <laughs> oh, you want to be uh, Kate Mara then? I want to be cool Sue that hasn't yet been conceived in cinema. <laughs> How about that? They probably go. will never be conceived in cinema. Seriously, apparently just can't get that right. Comic like, Sue then. It, it blows my mind that you can so royally screw up such a cool concept. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't really want to be Reed though. Reed's kind of a dick. He's a little self. Yeah, so that I'm probably I'm, that, that, I'm totally Reed. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't feel I'm that that free spirited enough, that wild enough to be Johnny. So maybe it's a different incarnation of the Fantastic Four. Who knows? She Hulk. <laughs> she was in it at one point. <laughs> uh well, you had the other combination when you had uh, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and uh, crap, I'm forgetting who the fourth was in that that little, like three-run issue that Art Adams did. I call Wolverine Snick. Snick, snick. Anyway, <laughs> Body Bags was fun. It was a fun anthology. There's, uh, as my wife liked to put out, that you got to point out, you got to see Mark Hamill's butt. And his segments in that, uh, the gas station. Yes. That's probably, I really did enjoy that one quite a bit. Uh, the other one he did was hair, which hair. was more funny than anything else, but uh, I, I did enjoy the gas station. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And following body bags. This leads us into the third of his apocalyptic vision films, In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, my God. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Same here. One of the most underrated films in his catalog. Who gets to say the line? Who's going to say it? There you go. (laughs) That is included in the mashup. (laughs) Oh, it has to be. It has to be. That movie is one of those where... Anytime I'm talking to people and it comes up, it's like, what? No, I'm, what? Oh, yeah. And it's like, come on, that movie is so creepy and awesome. Sam Neill's great at playing batshit in that. And then uh, 
I always forget the actor's name. I always remember that was the submarine captain from Das Boot, the plane Sutter Kane, that he was his own oh, yeah, fat uh, shit. Pinchow. Yeah. What's his first name? Like Jorgen, something like that, Pinchow. Jorgen Jorgensen? Something, who knows. <laughs> we'll say yes. <laughs> well, and seriously, there are so many scenes from that movie that have stuck in my head for years like the scene where they're driving and the quote-unquote kid on the bike mm-hmm. so creepy anytime that, the I old lady oh anytime oh. i drive by a bicycle like at night it's always like i'm not looking back at them fuck that <laughs> i want to see oh but do you remember who played the kid on the bike yes <laughs> anakin skywalker you should have just forced that shit away must not be metachlorians in the mouth of madness. Did you guys see that one in the theater? No. I did I never saw it until... first time I saw it actually was about a year ago. I saw oh, it nice. when it That's came cool. out on VHS during one of our random trips to Video Junction where we had no plan. And I was like, this looks good. Sure enough, it sure was. Yeah, I, I was working at a movie theater at the time. I just moved to Amarillo, Texas, and like, me and this guy Johnny clicked immediately, both big horror fans. I drug him to our sister theater to see that movie. He's like, in the mouth, of, I haven't even heard of this. What the fuck is this? My dude is Carpenter. It's going to be good. It's kind of like based off of H.P. Lovecraft stuff. He's like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. We walked out of that theater. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you made me go watch that movie. And I think we went and watched it four or five times while it was still playing. Yeah, I wanted to watch it again, but I was having a hard time finding some place to stream it. I think I could find it on Cinemax. I need to take a look again. That's one. I actually bought it uh, last October, I think it was, on iTunes. Or maybe it might have been earlier this year. But I was looking for it, couldn't find it. I'm like, no, no, purchase. So I downloaded it and watched it like uh, 1 o'clock in the morning the other night. See, it's the whole thing of, it's such a hit and miss on what you get for, like, the writing. To look at uh, the writer for uh, In the Mouth of Madness, uh, is it Michael DeLuca. That to look at his credits, it's just weird because he started out, uh, he did a short for Lawnmower Man, but then he did several episodes of Freddy's Nightmares and uh, did screenplay for uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare and then, you know, Mouth of Madness. But after that, he did the the the, the, the Stallone Judge Dredd movie. <sighs> to, to rise so high and then fall so short. But then it looks like after that he realized he's really not that good of a writer and did a shitload of producing. He's got executive producer credits out his ass. He's got 64 credits going on. Oh, wow. With a lot of, it, yeah, again, <laughs> it's a lot of hit and miss. It's funny to look at this. I mean, to go over with recents, you got Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Dracula Untold, uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, but then you got Captain Phillips, Moneyball, uh, Drive Angry. I love Drive Angry. Drive Angry is just a fun movie to watch. Any, have you guys seen that one? No. Nope. I haven't. Oh, Nick Cage? Oh, and that's why I've not seen it. I, oh, I, no. yeah, I know the I've, name, but I don't know why. I've see, not that's seen what it. I mean. Dry, I really have trouble with Nicolas Cage. I just, it, I really have a hard it's, time. It's a good Nick Cage movie. 
it's a good Nick Cage movie because it's one of those, the concept enough is batshit that you have a guy who's been sent to hell, escapes from hell to come back and uh, save his daughter from a cult. And yeah, it's essentially, he is a spirit of vengeance in this, but the uh, uh, yeah, tangent, tangent, tangent. Um, <laughs> it's one of those movies. Every time I watch it, it is more fun because it is, it is just an over the top ride. You got Nicholas Cage, Amber Heard, uh, William Fitchner. That's the, I always forget the dude's name that the, he plays the accountant that he's essentially the, the demon from hell that has come back to reclaim him. But he does it in such a mild business style that it's, it's one of the most lovable characters you will see on screen in that, in that style of type of character. And then you got Billy Burke playing, uh, the head of the cult and he plays creepy as hell in that too. But yeah, I, seriously, you guys gotta watch Drive Angry. You will enjoy it. I can, I, I strongly recommend, even Simon, Simon Fitzgerald and Wayne Talbot both recommend Drive Angry. And you know how they ripped Season of the Witch. <laughs> and oh yes. The Cage property. <laughs> so yeah, Drive, Drive Angry is just fun. That is a fun movie to watch. Anyway, <laughs> back to John Carpenter. <laughs> Nick Cage hasn't done any John Carpenter, has he? No. Don't believe he has. Uh, okay, next up we've got from 1995 is uh, Village of the Damned. Which I watched the other day, and I have just this to say. Christy Alley, I fucking hate her. <laughs> so much. She is literally the only thing that keeps that movie out of my top five John Carpenter list. She's just wow. so fucking terrible. I hate her. She's like Andy McDowell. I just want to punch her in the face. Yeah, I haven't. It's been a while since I watched that one. I, I I'll go back and watch the original over and over. I love love the original Village of the Dam and uh, the sequel for that as well. But there's people well, I I just totally forgot were in it until I looked at the casting again because I forgot about Mark Hamill playing the preacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, about uh, yeah, Meredith uh, Salinger. I I totally forgot that she was in that too. I totally forgot too. And then I'm watching the credits at the beginning and I'm like, Oh boy. Cause I love her. <laughs> Not so much Kirstie Alley. If she had played Kirstie Alley's part, I would have liked it a lot better. Ah. Yeah. That's when I somehow missed when it was in the theater and it actually was playing at the theater I worked at. And I, I, th- I know I walked in and saw the end of it like a couple of times I was waiting to clean it up, but I finally watched it uh, last night for the first mm-hmm. time. And, it, okay. and it's, it's dated, of course, but still a pretty good little sci-fi thriller. I was the kids were great. How, I was going to oh, say, yeah. I was impressed with how great the kids were. And see, that's where I can say that it was one of those things as the, to find the right crowd of, of movie geek. That, that was one of those films of like, I'm like, oh, Village of the Damn, this should be cool. And I've got friends like, well, what's it about? I'm like, well, you ever see the original? What original? Uh, this conversation's over. I mean, this is this is shortly after high school for me, so I mean, it's put a little bit post college, and I'm like, oh no, man, this is great movie back in the '60s. These mysterious, creepy kids with telekinetic abilities, and they have a hive mind, and da 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 da. And I mean, even to this day, because of that original, that there's times when I'm trying to like, uh, as someone with OCD tendencies, that if I'm trying to break a cycle of something, I do almost visualize building the brick wall that I'm trying mm-hmm. to just shut off that part 
And so, yeah, that, that, just that imagery from, from the movie still sticks with me too. So, so yeah, that was a fun one. Then Escape and from LA. Oh wait. Christopher ahead, Reeves. I, we, we would be remiss not to say that was true. Christopher Reeves' last film before his horrible, horrible horse riding accident. Oh uh, yes, that is true. That and is it's true. so, so peculiar to see him walking, which is really weird. Like seeing him run, like when he, when his wife, like, spoilers on the 20 year old movie when his wife he looks out the window and he sees she's not there and he runs across the street to the beach it's like oh my god it's unsettling almost to see him using a full range of motion and that sounds terrible but it's totally true it's not as unsettling as when they did the cgi of him getting up out of his chair for that commercial oh yeah that that was was just 800 kinds of wrong yeah uh that was more horrifying than Village of the Damned. <laughs> and then we get, uh, next up is Escape from LA, which we already talked about just a little bit. That was like a who's who of casting though, because you got, uh, Pam Greer, Peter Fonda, Robert Carradine, Steve Buscemi, uh, Cliff Robertson, Stacey Keach. Bruce Campbell in a cameo. Yes. The Surgeon General of Beverly Hills. <laughs> Oh, and then, um, oh my god, I f- always forget the actress's name. I always remember her from Hot Shots. <laughs> uh, the Italian name. Uh, IMDB, to the rescue. Let's see if I can mispronounce her name too. Uh, oh, there we go. Uh, Valeria Golino. Oh, yes, yes, I had such a crush on her back in the day. Yes. You see the accent and the eyes. Uh, but then yeah, we also yeah. have, the other, the other bit of trivia for that too is you have AJ Langer playing Utopia, the president's daughter. And, uh, isn't she a duchess now? She is. Yeah, I can't remember if it's a duchess or what. I believe what that Ray Ann Rapp is a fucking duchess. <laughs> so much for her so-called life. Jordan <laughs> can't read. Uh. No, I, I still need to finish that series someday just because. <laughs> you should watch it on MTV when they're replaying it because I missed it when it was originally aired. Oh, I watched it when it was originally aired. I bought the DVD. That was actually the first DVD box that I ever bought was my <laughs> so-called life. I got my kid hooked on it. Like, oh, the show's amazing. Uh, let's see. After Escape from L.A., then we jump into Vampires. James yes. Wood is a... Fucking Vampire Hunter was just I awesome. I saw that in the theater. I, I saw that opening night in the theater and got in a oh, horrible yes. car wreck on the way home. Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> that wasn't my fault and everyone was okay, but uh, yeah, I love that movie too. So tell me, Progeny. <laughs> when you're slaying those vampires back there. Are you getting a little wood? Mahogany. <laughs> yes, there's so many lines that my, my RPG group that we, we stole so many lines from that movie. You know, strolling up your choke, uh, your uh, chocolate wadi, or oh god, I, f- I always mess up the line when he says, <laughs> bend, "Just bend your ass over and fuck you up your chat, your chocolate wadi, and he's sucking your blood out." <laughs> Which I did throw that line in the mashup too. <laughs> Beautiful. That's another one I watch at least twice a year. I, I just, James Woods is so damn good in that movie. He's such a dick, and it's so great to watch him just be a total jerk and own it. Oh, the Maximilian Shell. I mean, we're, anytime I see Maximilian Shell, 
I always think of the black hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where yep. my brain goes to. <laughs> but yes, vampires. Vampires is great. I, it's one I I regret I had not watched it in so long. Because uh, then you also have uh, Cheryl uh, Lee. Yes, and uh, the the bad Baldwin brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he still alive? Yeah, I don't think any of them has passed away. I thought he, between his drug issues and stuff, I thought he had, he was no longer with us. Let me check him here. Hmm. I might be wrong. No, still shows him. He sounds so disappointed. Well, like, oh, damn it! Oh, I was, did, did you watch? Did you watch the season of Celebrity Rehab that he was in? No, and I, I oh. refuse to watch that show. I, I did watch like the first season or two, and after that, that's when I'm kind of swore off reality shows. Thomas Thomas Ian Griffith as the uh, the master vampire. Oh wow, his IMD picture. He's aged. I'm so used to seeing him with like that feathered hair and stuff. Now he's got like this the comb backed, and it's more more salt than pepper in his hair color. But I always remember uh, what was. I oh, god damn it! I gotta scroll through here. Well, yeah, Karate Karate Kid three. That he was he was the bad guy in that too. But, oh, uh, he was okay. Yeah. Okay. In excessive force, that was the one. That was like his first standout as the lead uh, martial arts. You know, going to be the new martial arts action guy. And that movie sucked. I just always remember the, the workout montage when it shows him doing his, his kata or whatever, and it's using uh, uh, the power by Snap. I've got the power! <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, and Cole the Conqueror. He was in Cole the Conqueror. I forgot that. He was a bad guy in that shit, too. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. Holy shit, I had forgotten all about it. <laughs> Well, now that you think of uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo and how batshit crazy he's got on online, it's another one of those. All these people we loved back in the 80s and 90s and watching their TV shows, and these guys are badass, and now they get on social media, and it's like, holy shit, that badass is batshit crazy. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, he's in Triple X, too. Anywho, enough enough of Thomas Ian Griffith's uh, filmography, because we're talking about John Carpenter, and we're coming up on... uh, yeah, I know we're getting up to about like ten minutes left to record, but hey, we're almost. Hey, we're almost this done because we can almost skip Ghost of Mars completely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Ghost of Mars begs the question, though. You have casting of uh, Natasha Henstridge. I loved her in Species, and she's actually not that bad of an actress, in my opinion. And then you got Ice Cube, er, early in his acting, early in his acting. But then you also got Jason Statham, uh, Clea Duvall. I think this was coming off of uh, The Faculty. It was probably her movie about that time. But then you got Pam Greer, Joanna Cassidy. How how did this movie do so bad? Oh, and Peter Jason. Just bad. It's real bad. This, just, I mean, every the 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 script wasn't good. The the story wasn't good. And it was we... definitely a waste of acting resources for sure I think yeah well, let's see John Carpenter did have a, a sure writing credit on that so he cannot be unblamed for it I noticed though that it is his co-writer Larry uh, Sulkis's last writing credit <laughs> it looks like I they worked together on Village of the Dam let's see then he did directing and producing what did he direct uh, oh, he did part of Body Bags what did he produce yeah this guy hasn't worked much since uh <laughs> Since then, <laughs> well, that movie's fucking shitty. 
Well, I'll say to uh, uh, another IMD side topic. I was looking up after watching uh, last after our last talk on uh, the documentaries, uh, the making of documentaries, and uh, the More Brains, the Return of the Living Dead one. Um, I'm spacing on his name right now, but the guy who originally started doing the uh, special effects for it and showing some of the outtakes of the shit that he did. I'm like, you know, his crowning achievement in that whole movie and probably his career was doing Tar Man. But to see the mock-ups of the other stuff he did that Dan O'Bannon and other people are like, what the fuck are you thinking? That looks like total shit. <laughs> I notice he doesn't have any, he, and he got booted off the film. But uh, I noticed he didn't have any credits after that film. <laughs> so, uh, it's like, how, yeah, you can do something so brilliant, and then all of a sudden it's like, what the hell is this? Oh, no, I don't, nobody's perfect. Shit's going to happen. Um, okay, so from Ghost from Ghost of Mars, he struck some home runs by uh, his Masters of Horror episodes in 2005-2006. Uh, because uh, I believe we, we did discuss during uh, the anthology show talk, Cigarette Burns. That's yes. so, holy yes. shit, that is still so good. Easily one of the top five of that series. Yeah. And I meant to watch it, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, Pro-Life. Have you not seen it before? No, I have not seen that one. Okay, that one's pretty, it's not as good as Cigarette Burns, but it's got Ron Perlman in it. Yeah. You can't, you can't go wrong with some Perlman. (laughs) I've loved Ron Perlman since Name of the Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to ruin anything for you, but you can guess from like the title kind of what it might be about. But oh yeah, just I the, read the, the synopsis. Way, okay, so the way it flows is just there is some humor in it here or there, even though it's talking about some horrible things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'll enjoy that one when you see it. But uh, definitely, yeah, not in the same level as, as Cigarette Burns, but no. it's still good. Same I writer also- for both, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. I also just want to take a second, and if anyone hasn't read or listened to the audiobook of Ron Perlman's autobiography, I recommend it fucking highly, especially the audiobook because he reads it himself, Ooh. and he's very Ron Perlman all throughout it. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I got to say on uh, another yet another tangent, but uh, while it's fresh in my brain, because uh, he tweeted it out yesterday, uh, Joe Hill, uh, Lock and Key the comic book series that he and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez did is being done as an audio book. Like we're talking, we're talking almost big finish style, the way that they're talking about it and the cast for it. Uh, You've got, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not a orphan black watcher, so I cannot remember the name of the actress in that. She's doing the voice of Dodge in the well. Oh, nice. And there's, there's other named people with it, but for it's uh, you can do pre-order now because it's getting released um, October fifth, I think. But it is free on Audible until November fourth. I will be all over that. Yeah, I, I might actually get that free on Audible, and that might be what I listen to going down to Orlando. Yeah, in just over a week for Halloween Horror Nights. I, yeah. I love that series. If, if anyone out there has never read that comic book. Just go go buy all the volumes hardback because yes. they're, they're yes. worth it, and <laughs> and you will burn a, a night. You won't be able to stop reading it until you're done. Yeah, it is. It's very good. Because uh, if I'll, I'll share a link, I can't, I meant to share a link on our Facebook page because uh, it's actually an article article off of MTV.com that they did an interview with Joe Hill, 
And there's a great bit in the interview where he talks about the difference of getting scared and scary. Uh, I know I'm saying it wrong, but saying it's the, the trick of pulling off the uh, written page with the artwork because we are primarily auditory creatures that we key into the noises that put us on alert and go, what was that? Versus uh, something that's laid out on a page before us, our eyes can scan through it in a standard progression. And so to, to still be able to obtain those scares on the printed page, which they did do with lock and key at times, but to take it that step up and using the full like 360 surround sound style, like uh, anybody who listens to the big Finnish Doctor Who stuff, like I, I'm listening to more of that, that to get immersed like that into the world of lock and key, that's going to be awesome. I just I just went onto my Audible app and pre-ordered it, so I'm yeah. super excited. Yeah, I had to try to thirteen hours. I had thirteen to try to, hours, twenty six minutes. I had to try to remember my my Audible login after I saw that, and I'm like, what was my password again? <laughs> I haven't used it in years. Oh my god, I love Audible so friggin' much. I like I literally will like plan out how I'm going to spend my credit every month. Like if something's upcoming, I'll hang on to my credit, and oh yeah. I love Audible so much. I think the last thing I actually got off of Audible was uh, another free download or random download. It was the uh, Neil Gaiman's short story, uh, The Rattlebag, that came out that he released like last Halloween or the Halloween before. I forget that he read it. And it's like, you know, maybe five minutes of short story reading, but it's creepy. <laughs> Which makes me think going back, get us back to In the Mouth of Madness. Mm hmm. I know Souther Kane was supposed to be Stephen King, but right. was he not like an evil Neil Gaiman? Every time I watch that movie, I'm like, that's evil Neil Gaiman. He just, that's the way true. he looked, like physically. It's true, the hair and everything. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was uh, shocking, he did, actually. He didn't have glasses. That. He didn't have glasses, didn't have a beard. <laughs> he didn't talk to you like he was your uncle. He talked to you like someone who is above you and going to be creepy. I have an accent. I am superior, and I will scare you. <laughs> uh, but hey, uh, we're almost out of time, but we've only got one thing left to talk about on uh, John Carpenter's current resume, at least as a director. Um, and it's one I meant to watch, but I have not watched, and that is The Ward. And it is on Netflix and Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And it is worth the watch. Yeah, it's one I... I it's, there's just so many to try to watch that, yeah, some things got neglected that we wanted to. Yeah, and he, I don't think he wrote that one. And this, I, I've only watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I only half paid attention mm-hmm. and it didn't really blow me away. And then I watched it again the other night and realized how wrong I was. It actually was super creepy, very like suspenseful in parts, but it's basically about a group of girls in a mental institution and there's an angry ghost and they start getting picked off one by one. Mm-hmm. Some really cool practical effects and some scares. Uh, I do recommend going and watching that one. Yeah, he's not, uh, yeah, he didn't write on that one. He does have one that's in production though, or is in development, uh, Dark Child that I saw, uh, listed at different spots and I meant to look up more on it, but alas, <laughs> I am short on that. I can't remember if it was wasn't one he's writing. Might be producer credit. Might be because I don't see it coming up for his director one. I'll look it up real quick. It was on there the other day. 
It's not, but yeah, it's not showing up now. Maybe there was some editing that happened. Anyways, well, yeah, that's one I can look up at and we can discuss later because actually we're coming up on our time, folks. So, uh, any last quick words on, on the man? He's the well, master of horror and a freaking genius. He is. And if, if, you know, when he listens to this, which of course he will, I just want to thank him from the bottom of my heart for entertaining me so thoroughly all these years. Yes, thank you, Mr. Carpenter. And um, on top of his own works, definitely seek out any um, documentaries that has interviews with him in it. Um, I highly recommend uh, the uh, Mark Gatiss uh, History of Horror uh, miniseries. I love his interview on that because <laughs> he just comes off like a crusty old bastard sometimes. But not in a bad way, in the good way, because it's about the same time they're going off about... Uh, uh, oh. He made the cat people back in the, the 40s, the black and white film. And everyone's like, oh, because of the, the starkness and all this and that. And then they cut to him for an interview. It's like, he's so overrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, folks, thanks for listening to the show again. Be sure, uh, Cave Listener Radio folks, stick around uh, for after the music plays for bonus content. Uh, for other folks, uh, thank you for following us here on iTunes and wherever else you're picking up the show. You can follow us as a collective over on uh, the podcast Macabre on Facebook. Uh, if you want to just find me, uh, you can look for me on Twitter at underscore Duckman underscore. And uh, be sure to check out my blog, Making It Through the Middle. I have started doing some horror movie-related stuff. I just did uh, part seven for my global terror alert horror films around the world. Uh, there was an update of uh, six other films and kind of the past year I've seen around the world that uh, I recommend for folks. So uh, what about you, Joe? You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Macabre. You can follow me on Twitter at that Joe Myers. And you can find me on Twitter at Tattooed underscore Jenny. Um, and I also have a, a, a blog over on WordPress called Snark Attack 101. And be sure to uh, check out Dawn as well. She's over on Twitter uh, now and then at BullyAngle37. 71. 71, sorry. 71. I don't know why I said 37. 37? 37 in a row? That's why. Uh, (laughs) It's like Pavlovian with us. Um, But uh, she's on Facebook as well. But if you're going to try to follow her, tell her who you are, folks. God damn it, it pisses her off when you get the random post. And she (laughs) would like her when she's angry. No. Because then it's clobbering time. <laughs> With that, Call folks. Back, baby. <laughs> With that, folks, I've been Chris. I'm Joe. I'm Jenny. And Dawn would say she's Dawn if she was here right now in some witty way. <laughs> so, until next time, folks, remember don't be afraid of the dark, be afraid of what's in it. Mm-hmm.